Let us pray together. We have heard it with our ears, O God. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their days. In days long ago, with your hand, you drove out the nations and planted our ancestors. You crushed the peoples and made our ancestors flourish. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you love them. You are my king and my God, who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you we push back our enemies. Through your name we trample our foes. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God we make our boasts all day long, and we will praise your name forever. All this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? Yet for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget your misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. God, as the psalmist declares, as the sons of Korah declares, God, with confidence, as they say, God, awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. God, I pray that we would have the same type of confidence and urgency and desire to cry out to you, Lord. Rise up and help us, God. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. For we know who you are. We know who you are, O God. God, we know what you're capable of. That you are our King and our Lord our Lord and our Savior. God, you are the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are not a fickle God who who changes like the shadows. You are not a shifting shadow, for you are consistent, same yesterday, today, and forever. So God, we give all glory to you. We call out to you, Lord, as the psalmist did. We cry out to you, Lord, for we are hungry and desperate for your touch. And God, now as you transition to the message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, God, will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Be pleased with this time and with the message. God, use me as your instrument to be your vessel, to be your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece, O God. Pray against every distraction. Every attack of the enemy. And we focus on one thing. And that is you, O Lord. Our Lord. Our rock. And our redeemer. Jesus Christ. That is you, O Lord. Speak to us. For we are listening. Pray all these things. Your precious son. Jesus Christ, I pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's good to see everyone again. I hope you had a great week. Uh, the weather is getting warmer. Now we are part eight of our Philippians series. And the title, let's get right into the title. The title is called How to Stand Firm. If you could repeat after me and say how to, how to stand, firm. stand firm. Today's scripture is found in Philippians chapter four, verse one to three. And the title says, Closing Appeal for Steadfastness and Unity. The vision word for this year, 2020, is steadfast. And with that, let's go ahead and read. Verse 1 says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sintache to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of co-workers whose names are in the book of 
life. I have three points for us. And before our points, I want you to add the word diligently. So diligently, but number one is this, stand. Can you turn to your neighbor and say stand? stand. Let's go ahead and read verse one. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way Dear friends, and the key word here is to stand. And the question is, stand how? How do we stand? And the scripture tells us to stand firm. The Greek word here is talking about a soldier standing and guarding their post faithfully. So it's about protecting as a warrior, as a soldier, standing our ground, standing firm. It means stand with righteousness, stand in holiness, stand with integrity, stand with honor, with uprightness, with honesty, stand in righteousness in Christ as a good soldier in Christ. That's why it says in, in Psalm 1, and those who went missions with us, we've memorized this passage. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand, the key word here is stand, stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like shaft that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And we see that here. It tells us to stand in the way that the sinners take. Do not. Do not stand in the way that the sinners take. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So verse 1 reminds us to stand firm in the Lord. Don't walk in the path that the wicked individuals take. Walk in a path of righteousness. Walk in the path of integrity. Walk in the path of honor and uprightness and in honesty before God. And it tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 10, it tells us, again, the concept here is an armor that we put on. And who puts on armors? Soldiers. So again, the Greek word here, stand firm, is about a soldier standing on and guarding their post faithfully. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 10, it tells us what? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. The same thing as soldier, as mentioned earlier in the passage in verse 1. So that you can what? Take your stand. Stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand. Stand, stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with a the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god the word of god again it's a reminder to us diligently what stand like who? Like a soldier. Don't forget that you are a soldier and a warrior in Christ. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. You're standing against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God. Our fight, our struggle is not against the flesh, but it tells us here, but it's a, it's a fight against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. We cannot win this fight by exercising hard, but physically just being strong. 
but we need to trust the one who gives us strength. On our own strength, we cannot win against the devil's schemes. We cannot win against temptation. We can only win through Christ who strengthens us, the one who is in us. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Point number two is to train. Diligently train. Turn to your neighbor and say, train. train. This whole pandemic has made all of us kind of soft. Uh, not moving around as much, uh, not walking as much. Therefore, this week I started exercising again. And for athletes, we understand that I'm not saying I'm an athlete, but as athletes, we understand that in order for them to be successful, for athletes to be successful, they have to train. It is not something that, that they do it when they feel like it, when it is comfortable for them. It's a must. They have to train. It's not just their bodies, but also their minds. If they don't have a strong mind, but just a strong body, then if they lose the battle already in their mind, then they have lost the physical fight. Therefore, we have to train, train our body. We need to have strong, healthy, capable bodies. Also, we need to have a strong mind. Grounded in what? Grounded in the Word of God. If we are not grounded, if our mind is not grounded in the Word of God, then we will not have success in this life. Therefore, Christians must train diligently. It's a must. It's something that we have to do. Training requires dedication and sacrifice. I'm going to say it again. Training requires dedication and sacrifice. Training requires countless hours of practice, having the vision, not, not losing the vision, especially 2020. The world is staffest. And who thought? Who would have thought that we would be here in the pandemic, quarantine in our own homes, not being able to meet, wearing masks around? And we see that the word steadfast, it means to stand firm before the Lord and to train. The author, Gladwell, wrote a book called Outliers. And in this book, he talks about 10,000-hour rule, the key to be successful. The key to be successful in any profession, for you to become an expert, it, it requires 10,000 hours of dedication, of practice. I had a New Testament professor who taught, taught us Greek, and he said this in the beginning of the class. He talked about the number of touches. What did he mean by the number of touches? He was really into hockey. He, even, he was a coach for a hockey team. His son was a high-level uh, high uh, hockey player. And he talked about, and he had a phrase, and he taught us the phrase called, touch the puck. And he's talks, he's, he's, what, he, what he meant by touch the puck, he meant by the, the key to becoming successful is put the hours of dedication. As a hockey player, you need, it's, it's about how many times you touch the puck, how many times you go in the ice, how many times you, it's the number of touches, the number of hours that you put in in your dedication, in your craft. And as Christians, we must do so much more for Jesus Christ. We see people out in the world the hours of dedication, they become masters in their crafts, and it's amazing. You know, it's, like, it's a simple thing, like to a restaurant and the way they cut something or the way they do things, and, and some new, newbie guy comes in and they try it, the, the one who's interviewing, they try and they can't do it. And we realize it's harder than it looks because for them it's something that they have done their whole lives. It took hours and hours of dedication, of faithfulness. And as Christians, we don't even know Genesis. We don't even know that there are 66 Bibles in the whole scripture. We don't know the last book of the, of, the, of the Bible is Revelation. Sometimes we spell it Revelations. The key to becoming successful is to put in the hours of dedication. And as Christians, we must do so much more than the world. For who? For Jesus Christ. As Christians, we must be touching the Bible. Quote, unquote, touch the Bible. Just like what my New, New Testament professor said, touch the puck. Touch the Bible. Touching the floor with our knees. That should become our phrase. When was the last time that our knees touched the floor during our prayer time? 
during our IPG on Fridays, during our morning time? Are we touching our Bibles? Are we touching the floor with our knees? And I have an acronym for us. It's kind of funny, but like a cat, can you just repeat after me and just go prrr? P-R-R-R. Let's begin with the first word, prayer. Pray. Turn to your neighbor and say pray. Pray. Pastor Ravenhill, he said this, prayer is not a preparation for the battle. It is the battle. Ministers who do not spend two hours a day in prayer are not worth a dime a dozen. Degrees or no degrees, no individual, I don't care how colossal his intellect, no person is greater than prayer life. Prayer is the most unexplored area of the Christian life. Prayerlessness is disobedience, for God's command is that man ought to pray, always pray, and not faint. To be prayerless is to fail God, for he says, ask of me, no man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing in prayer, we fail everywhere. So the first word here in the acronym is pray. Second word is read. Read the scriptures. Memorize the scriptures. Study the word of God. Read. First, pray. Second, read. And number three, third is repent. How often do I repent? Every single day before God. A proud person will never repent. But we repent for we know and we understand how, how short we fall before the glory of God. And then what's number four? Repeat. P-R-R-R. And you do this over and over and over and over again. Pray. Read. Repent. Repeat. Do it again and again and again. Over and over again. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, it reminds us, again, it talks about a soldier. It says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Who is our commanding officer as Christians? It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Don't forget that you are soldiers, that you're here to do one thing. That's to please our commanding officer. And our commanding officer is Jesus Christ. That's why it says in verse 1, going back again, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Reminding us, not only do we stand firm, but we stand firm by training hard. By doing what? We pray. We read. We repent. And repeat. Do it over and over and over and over again. And within this point, point number two, I have sub points here for us. Letter A is this. A is focus on Jesus. You have to focus on Jesus. Paul goes on over and over again to focus on the prize, focus on the one, the one, the giver of all things, our Lord and our King, and his name is Jesus Christ. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, we went over this passage before in our previous messages. It says, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal 
to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What does it say? Straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with what? Perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix on him. The pioneer and the perfecter. In other translations, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, letter A, focus on Jesus. B, be self-disciplined. Are you self-disciplined? Cast away distractions and train. At the gym, you see a lot of people, they do a set, and they go back, they're checking text message or doing something, social media or anything. Not that that's bad, but are we focused? Are we disciplined? You have to stay away from our phones. That's what it tells us in 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 10. It tells us, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. Repeat the word after me, train. It requires training. It requires discipline. Train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is, is of some value. That's why during missions we do some sort of physical training so that physically we are strong, not just spiritually. But godliness has value for all things, which is the spiritual training. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Train yourselves to be godly. Be self-disciplined. Don't forget. Let us see. Come ready to fight. Turn to your neighbor with an angry face, kind of like a stare down before a boxing match, and say, are you ready to fight? Are you ready to fight? Wow. This is cute because they're smiling. Come ready to fight. Come ready to fight. You are soldiers and warriors in Christ Jesus. What does Paul say? In 2 Timothy 4, verse 7-3, he says, I have fought the good fight. I fought. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to who? To all, to you, to those who are reading to all who have longed for his appearing. Can you confidently say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Can you say that with confidence? A lot of times we come to church, we come so casual, and all we want to do is just receive. And what can you do to serve me? Not what can I do to serve you? come with this casual mindset we let loose whatever happens happens war is our warrior mentality come ready to fight come ready to fight 2 Corinthians 10 3-4 it says for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary, they have divine power to de demolish 
strongholds. Don't forget the fight that we're fighting. The fight that we're fighting. We cannot fight as the world fights. Just like David. He didn't use the armor of Saul. But he used the armor of God. What is the fight that we fight? The fight against the devil's schemes. The prince of this world. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And who is the ruler of this dark world? Satan. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the former of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Stand. Stand. Stand and train with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Right, Ronnie? The new belt that you got looks amazing. Can you show that to us? Can you actually come and show it to the video? No, I'm joking. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about righteousness in the past. And with your feet fitted, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, to take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Come ready to fight. Come ready to work. Work hard at these things. When you're standing, when you're training, when you're fighting, when you're praying, when you're resisting temptation, work hard at these things. Work hard to be godly. It doesn't come just naturally. You have to want it. You have to desire it. You have to go after it. You can't just be lazy and just be laid back. Oh, if it happens, it happens. No, you need to put in the work. You need to put in the hours, the 10,000 hours, even more. You need to put in the hours to the craft. And what is the craft? Is to win the prize that is marked out for us. To make the right decisions every single day. Work hard to be godly. Work hard to be holy. To stand firm. To stand united. It requires hard work. Hard work, dedication. Right? This is for boxing fans. Then you'll know who, who quotes that. You may like him or hate him, but he says, hard work, dedication, one of the best in the game. The key to success in life is not just talking about it. It's about putting in that work. Consistency, dedication, faithfulness every single day. What does it say in verse 2 to 3? Going back to Philippians 4, it says, I plead with Yodia, and I plead with Sintache to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. And right here we see that these individuals, they fought together. And Paul, he is teaching them to help these women who are somehow fighting against each other, who are causing division here in this place. He's saying work, train, stand firm. So again, number two, train. Train yourselves to be godly. Which leads to our last point. Point number three is the word pursue. Again, add the word diligently. Diligently pursue. Pursue. What do I mean by pursue? Pursue what? Pursue to have the same mind for unity. That's what it says here in verse 2 and 3. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sintache to be of the same mind in the Lord. You need to pursue it. You need to want to have the same mind. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women 
since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. They fought together. They worked together. Somehow now they're divided, and this division is causing a huge stress in the church of Philippi, in the community of the Philippian church, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Paul here is reminding us that train yourselves and work hard to have the same mind for unity. I can't just want it for unity, to be united. It's not just up to me. You have to want it too. The rest of the church, we all need to have the same mind. It goes both ways. It can't just be based on one individual. If you are not united, you are not standing firm as a church. Church, listen to me. Your success is not defined by your building. It's not defined with the money that you have in the bank account. The number of people that are sitting in your pews. That's not a mark of success. Success is not defined by these things, these temporary things. Your true mark of success is marked by your unity, your genuine love and care for one, on, one another. That is, this is what is true, and it will never change. In a community where we can't trust one another, when there's division, there's clicks here, clicks there. You go over there, I stay here. then we are doing something wrong as a church. We're not being faithful in the place where God has called us to be. I remember a long time ago, I went to a revival. And when this revival ended, uh, it rained like crazy. And like, it's like pouring rain, right? It's dark and our parked van was far away. We had to go down this hill and, and then, you know, I'm like, okay, let's just run for it. So I remember I was, a, I was a teacher, a youth teacher. I was like, let's just go, let's run. I put my glasses, because you know those who wear glasses, like when it's raining, you, you take it off, right? Because you, you don't want it to get wet. It, it kills your vision. My eyes aren't that bad, so I took it off, and I put it right here in my shirt. And we're running, running. And then in my mind, like the, the, the Chingu movie, the theme where they're running, and that thing is playing in my mind. It's like fun, we're having fun, we're getting wet. And then we get to the car, and then I, I noticed that my glasses fell because I was going to use it to drive. And I'm like, oh, no. I think it must it, it fell while we're running. And all of a sudden, the boys, they just get out of the van, and they start running up the hill, and they start looking for it. And they keep looking. And I didn't even ask them to do it. And that shows what brotherhood is. I don't need to ask you, but you do it for me just like I would do it for you. And they managed to do it on their own. And that's a church, that's a group, that's united. I remember a member, not going to mention the name, his or her key, they lost it. I remember all of us were searching for it with the lights, with the cell phone, to look for it. Even my father, Chanlun, he was about to get down under the car. I'm like, no, I'm joking. But he was like, I'm like, Chanlun, no, it's okay, you don't have to look for it. Eventually we found it. And right in that moment when I was watching all of us helping this one individual. It reminded me that this is what a church is. This is what love is. This is what it means to be united, to be there for one another. Whether it could be, it could be a big thing or small thing, it doesn't matter. We are there for one another. We're willing to go. We're willing to go far for that individual, for anyone, even if it costs us our comfort. And in the Philippines, you know, Nana Tita from San Jose, in the Philippines, you know, we visit her every year. And one year that we didn't go, that year she passed away. But she was asking, and she, every year she asked for us to come visit her. And we go and we pray, and she has seizures. That's why she couldn't move her body. And her bathroom would be right next to her. And, and we would go in, in her small room. You know, we're sweating. San Jose is a difficult area. It's a difficult place. You know, they don't even have access to water. The government has to bring them water. And we're there, and we're always there faithfully, and we're praying. And I'm next to her, and I remember when I, when I touch her, when I'm praying for her, you know, there's, there's a urinal there and everything. And, you know, it's, it's a small room, so some of the team members are far out in the back. Some of them are outside. But for me, I'm right there, and I'm with, I'm with her. 
and we pray. We don't think about these things that will make us uncomfortable. But we do it for the sake of this one individual. And we, go, we need to be willing to go far, far, even if it means it will cost us our comfort. In our discomfort, we need to go far and be willing to be there for one another. We need to pursue, pursue to have the same mind for unity. We need to fight for it. We need to stand firm for it. That's why it says in verse 23 again, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sintache to be of the same mind in the Lord. Have the same mind. If you have the same mind as Jesus Christ, there will be no division. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. People who are on the sidelines, are we helping our fellow brothers and sisters to reach resolution, to make peace? Are we praying for them? Are we praying for one another? Are you praying for your pastor? They have contended and my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are in the book of life. The broken relationships between these two individuals, the two ladies in the Philippine church, it was a big issue. And big churches tend to brush off these problems when there's a problem between two individuals and sadly, it happens, for they have bigger matters to handle. However, broken relationships between members are not small matters. And it's cool to see here Paul, he's advocating for these two women. In a society where women were seen as less important, Paul is saying it's never too late. And we can't forget that as Christians, division and hatred and pride is something that God hates the most. He detests it and it is out of his character. That's why the scripture tells us in Romans 15, 5 to 7, it says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you. The key word here is accept. Why? Because Christ accepted you. In order to bring what? Praise to God. So what mind did Christ have? What was and what is the mind of Christ? It's to be united. To pursue unity. To have the same mind as Christ did. Ephesians 1, 4 to 6, for he chose us. And the key word here is us. It's not me, for he chose me. And it's about me, my life, as long as I'm doing well. But it says he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. He predestined us, not just me. He predestined us, you and me, for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which has freely given us, not just me, but us as a church in the one he loves. That's why he says in 1 Peter 2.9 that you are a chosen people royal priesthood, a holy nation of many individuals, God's special possession, that you may, you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Chosen people. Have you ever been chosen for something? What about basketball? How did that feel? How did it feel when you were not chosen, chosen last? He has chosen us. Pursue to have the same mind for unity. Diligently. Diligently pursue. For unity equals maturity. Division equals immaturity. And we need to be mature in our faith. 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the, to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4.13. Without maturity, we cannot attain, it says in Ephesians 4, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Maturity is what? It's when we're united. And nobody changes overnight. You need to train yourselves. You need to pursue after it. Pursue it. Pursue it. And I'm closing with this. This is an important passage for us to be reminded once again. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 27. And it says this, and I hope that we are encouraged today and that we r e m i n d e d of how important it is for us to be united, to include one another in our fight, in our struggles, in our joy and in our blessings, in our ups and our downs. It tells us this, starting from verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so that as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You are where you are because this is where God wanted you to be. Don't forget that. doesn't mean it has more significant value. We're all of equal value. If they were all one part, verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? Just as it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need to need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. so that there should be no division in the body. Again, I'm going to say it again. There should be no division in the body so that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern for each other. I'll say it again. Equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Do you understand? Just because you're okay doesn't mean it's okay. If one part is honor, every part rejoices with it. Do you rejoice when your brother and your sister, they gain success? Are you truly happy for that individual? Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Meaning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 27 is reminding us that we are in it to finish together. Can you repeat after me? We are in it, are in it. To, finish to finish together. together. There is no first place. There is no second place. There's no third place. There's no last place. We need to make it to the finish line together. It doesn't matter whether you finish last. Even the fact that we finish last, quote-unquote last, what a blessing it is. Remember the criminal who died with Jesus. Remember me. And Jesus says, I will remember you. The criminal who had faith in Jesus Christ in his death. We need each other to finish the fight 
well. Every ministry responsibilities, every committee heads, every little thing, every chair that we put away, every table that we clean, every napkin that we put on the table, every dish that we fill, every ministry, every responsibility, every work, in order to finish this mission, we need to do it together. That we are in it together to finish this race together. Your team is only strong as your weakest link. All your other chains can be strong, but if that one chain is weak, somehow stumbling, we need to go ahead, put all our attention to help that individual. Just like you need that help when you're in that position where you are found in a weak place. Remember, coach, my coach would make us do drills, especially when we lose. He would make us do hills. And I had this one Korean friend, I've shared this story. He was pretty bad at doing the hills, and my coach would tell me, go, AC, go do it with him. Like, coach, why? Cause he's like, because he's your fellow Korean. But joking aside, he would make the rest of the team do it also. Do it also. Because he's trying to teach us. Your team is only strong as his weakest link. Doing extra drills, we are only strong as strong as our weakest link. Just because you're not playing a visible role does not mean it's not an important role. I'll say it again. Just because you're not playing a visible role does not mean it's not an important role. Every role is crucial in the kingdom of God. Big and small, there's eternal, eternal value in every work that we do for Jesus Christ. Every act of service, there's eternal value. Every cup of water, every chair that's set up, every garbage that is picked up, every key that's pressed on the computer for the next slide, all of these things will not go unnoticed before God. Your name may not go on a plaque, as the world does. You may not receive pats every time you do something special. Or hear the words, good job every time. Doing things in secret and going unnoticed in the eyes of people is a far greater honor in the kingdom of God. If you're here just to show yourselves so that you can show yourselves how great you are, then that is your reward. My reward is greater. And I want to receive a far greater honor in God. I want to go unnoticed. I want to do it in secret. That's what the scripture tells us. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, verse 1 through 3. He says this, that be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. To be honored, meaning praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Whatever we do, whatever we did for the least of these in Matthew 25. God says you'll be remembered and honored for all of eternity. For all of eternity. And that is far greater honor in the kingdom of God. Always remember, people's applause, it amounts to nothing. They will love you today and they will hate you tomorrow. If that's all you're looking for, then we are living a sad life. Men's applause It amounts to nothing. People's applause amounts to nothing. The degrees that we learn, that we earn, the titles that we hold is all for nothing. God's applause. In contrast, God's applause amounts to everything in the kingdom of God. It amounts to everything. So the title How to stand firm. How do I stand firm? How do I stand firm? 
we what? We diligently stand. Diligently stand. Stand firm as a good soldier to please our commanding officer. Number two, diligently train. Train yourselves. Train not just your body, but your mind. Your mind with the word of God. Ground yourself in the word of God. Pass the 10,000 hour mark. Do it faithfully. Become masters in your craft. And what is our craft? It's to pray, read, repent, repeat. Holiness, integrity. The sub points focus on Jesus. Be self disciplined. Come ready to fight. To stand firm requires hard work. And number three, diligently pursue. Pursue to have the same mind for unity. For there are many parts in the body. For unity represents maturity, division represents immaturity. Our church, success of a church, is not marked by the building, the size of the building, how many vehicles we have, how many cars, how many children, how many. This, this, programs, this, 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 and that, that, that. All that is nothing if we are not united. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Don't forget that we are one body, that God has put the body together. For his glory and for his purpose. We're in it to win it together, to finish the race together. Can you close your eyes with me? If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. You will not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, you will not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts, of the, parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, no division, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, each one of you. Is part of it. Do you believe that? Do you know that you are part of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ? We are in it together. I want you to take this time right now to think about your church. Think about the body. Think about all the roles that we have, that we take in the church. We need to have equal concern for one another. Equal concern. No division in the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody. Can we just take a moment right now to pray for our church? Let's pray for one another at this time. Let's remember our brothers and sisters. Pray for one another. We haven't seen each other for a while now, but let's pray for one another. Let's pray for the unity in our body, in the body of Jesus Christ. Pray for our church. Pray for the churches that are around us, 
that in this society right now during this time who are struggling just pray pray for one another remember our partners let's remember our partners the church in Oregon let's remember life reach in the Philippines let's pray for one another let's pray for each other and at the same time pray for your leaders pray for me pray for one another pray for one another let's pray for each other right now let's pray together Lord we just come at this time to pray to you for our church and for this body Lord we need you we need you more than yesterday oh God I pray for unity in this body this community that God that we will not be divided with our own interests that I will not put my own interests above above others God but Lord in humility God as, as you just as you humbled yourself God and went on the cross God I pray God that we would have the same mind to pursue the unity that is found in Jesus Christ oh Jesus we need you right now we can't do this without you we need you right now at this time together teach us your ways that may walk in your truth Father we need you teach us your ways to walk to walk in your steps the truth God to walk in love to walk in forgiveness to be united in Christ Lord we need you right now God at this time Jesus we need you teach us your ways that may walk in your truth Father help us help us Father we need you teach us your ways that may walk in your truth how to stand firm God we learned today that we diligently stand how to stand firm God we learned today that we diligently train that we pray, read repent and repeat we learned today that we focus on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith that we become self-disciplined we become ready to fight God, we learned today that we diligently pursue. Pursue to have the same mind for unity. For we are all one body in Christ. There is no first place, second place, third place, fourth place, or last place. We're in it together to win it together. Thank you for reminding us today of how to stand firm in the Lord. Jesus, during this time, especially during this season, help us to be strong. Help us be steadfast as we're in the final chapter of our Philippian series. Lord, help us to be steadfast, remembering the vision, the vision for this year. Lord, let us be steadfast today and follow after you wholeheartedly, O oh Lord. We need you right now. We need you today more than yesterday. More of you and less of me, Lord. More of you and less of me. More of you and less of us so that your name may be glorified. We need you right now. Jesus, strengthen us. Strengthen the small church. Protect us. Let us be united. 
united in Christ. Oh, Lord, we need you. We need you right now more than yesterday, Lord. Now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip us, the church, the church of Christ, with everything good to do his will and that he will work within us what is pleasing in his sight through our Lord Jesus Christ to whom we gave all the glory as a church we gave all the glory to whom be the glory forever and ever and as God's people we pray we pray all these things in your precious son Jesus Christ in my prayer Amen and Amen.